Hello, welcome to another podcast episode. My name is Ray. Start off with the uh, the weather report, <laughs> which is hugely popular. It's funny, isn't it? Sorry, I'm banging around here in the high-tech studio, kicking things about. Sorry about that. I'm looking north over the Downs. We've got 16 degrees centigrade, which is 60 Fahrenheit. The time is 20 past six. The date, what's the date? 22nd. What? I don't know what day it is. I did. I never know what day it is. Well, you know that. That's it. And this is going to be Sunday's podcast episode. Janet, lovely to hear from you yet again with your, um, yes, musings, your thoughts, uh, which Janet, as normal, I can't read out. But uh, yes, I uh, I found it very interesting reading. Thank you, Janet. Um, I was going to say keep the emails coming. Even if I said don't send any more, you'd still bombard me with them. They are actually, they are quite interesting, Janet, I must say. Although, um, yeah, yes, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I cannot read any of them out. Uh, hello to Rachel. Nice to uh, have a couple of email or message exchanges. That's Rachel. We were talking about the weather, the heat. It's a lot better now. Last night uh, was cool. As I say, 16 degrees now. It's been about that all night, I think, which is really nice. I just, I don't think anyone likes it too hot at night. We were very, very hot at night for a couple of, uh, I forget which days, a couple of nights were just sort of like a furnace. So a lot better now. We've had thunderstorms, a little bit of rain. It started lashing with rain the other day, then it stopped <laughs> after about five minutes. A friend of mine said, rain, I didn't see that. I said, no, he probably blinked at the time. <laughs> there we are. Um, Jennifer, nice to hear from you. Jennifer says, do any of your listeners have this problem that I've got? She is on uh, decent money. She is earning, she says, three times the amount that her husband earns. Uh, she does point out that she's not on huge money. It's just that he's on poor money. <laughs> So I, she hasn't said how much or what jobs they do. But her income, her salary is three times that of her husband's. And he hates it. He really does hate it. it. And it is causing a lot of trouble within the marriage. I knew Jennifer. I knew, or I still know of a chap. haven't seen him for a while. His wife was on twice his money. I don't know the figures again, but he couldn't cope with it. I remember him saying, we were chatting about it once, and he said... The male is supposed to be the breadwinner. And he was going on and on about it. And I said, surely, it, you know, the more she earns, or the more you earn, it doesn't matter who earns it, the more going into the bank, the better. You know, into the, the kind of coffers, as they call it. Does it matter where it actually comes from? Yes, it does. The male is the breadwinner. And I, I don't know, very... Is that an old-fashioned or sexist way of looking at it? There was a time that uh, Trish was earning more than me because I've been self-employed most of my life and I've worked at home most of my life and there was a time when she was earning considerably more than me and I was pleased she said I remember she saying once we were talking about it and she said I'm glad you don't have a problem with that as some people do and I said look if you earn three times more four or five times more than me even I won't have to work at all. <laughs> I love it. I could be a house husband. Oh, hang on. Sorry. Does that offend people? Are we allowed to use that word these days? House husband? Is that in some way offensive? I'll have to start making a list of offensive words so I can use them more. I mean, so I can avoid them. Whoops. <laughs> no, seriously. 
the more you know, the more Trish has earned, we're both retired now, the more she's earned in the past. There's an email, I'm being emailed now. Yeah, the more she's earned in the past, the happier I've been. We've always pooled our money. You know, it's not her money and my money. We don't have our separate money. We've always, it's always in one pool. That's it. It's in the bank. That's it. It's ours. So it doesn't matter what she's put in or what I've put in, as long as it builds up. And <laughs> house husband, I've, I'd love to be a house husband. In fact, there were times when I was, uh, I was earning more than Tricia for what, two or three years consecutively. My self-employed income was a lot more than her, her salary at her job. And I still, working from home, I still was able to do things around the house. I'd clean up the kitchen after breakfast when she'd gone to work. I'd do jobs around the house. I'd vacuum. I'd hang out the washing. I'd bring the washing in if it rains. Actually, I've got to keep an eye on that because the sky does look like it might rain and we've got the washing out. Trish at the moment is, uh, what did she do? One of, one of her jogs. No, she doesn't jog. One of her walks. She does these 6K walks and things at sort of six o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> that's why the house is so quiet. No, I shouldn't say that. I'm not, uh, not implying that she's loud at all. <laughs> Actually, she is. So going back to money, you know, I've, I don't care who brings the money in as long as the money comes in. And as I said, if she earns much more than me, say 10 times more than me, well, I don't have to work at all. I could just be a house husband. I used to like working from home. I know some people can't get their heads around it. I used to enjoy it. I'd chat to the neighbours. You know, I'd, I'd tell them that he said, like an old woman chatting over the fence. Is that offensive to old women? I don't know. Can't keep up with it all. But I'd be out the front, perhaps putting something in the dustbin, chat to one of the, the neighbours across the road or next door. And I even got talking to, to one of the neighbours, one lady, about polish. Which polish do you use? I was like a housewife. Is that offensive? Oh, let's, let's talk about something else because I must be offending thousands of people around the world. <laughs> Still talking about money, but slightly different aspect. A friend of mine back in the, what must have been early 70s, he was going out with a girl. He'd only known her a few weeks. He couldn't drive. He didn't have a car, which was a bit orcs, as my granddaughter would say. She had a car, but she lived, what, two or three miles out of town. So she either had to drive into town and pick him up or, you know, meet him wherever they were going. It was awkward for her. She could never have a drink because she was driving. One day he said to me, could you pick her up? You know, just do me a favour. And uh, I said, yeah, that's OK. I don't mind. Now, this was the strange bit. I said, uh, give me her address. And he said, I don't know her address. Don't know her address. He said, no, what I'll have to do is phone her and ask her. So anyway, he, he rang her and uh, we were in the pub at the time. <laughs> Where else? And he came back to the bar and he said, oh, if it's OK with you, could you pick her up from outside? There's a post office. He told me where it was in this village. I, I knew where it was. I knew of the village because uh, a friend of mine lived there. One of these, you know, these radio ham type people, he lived there. So I said, yeah, that's fine. And at the appointed time, I drove there and there she was. Melanie, her name. Lovely girl. And uh, she got into the car and, you know, I, I'd met her obviously before because she was going out with this friend of mine. And she said, oh, you knew where to find me then? I said, yes, I know this area. A friend of mine lives just round the corner from here. And she said, oh, oh where's that? And I said uh, the chap's name. I'm not going to mention too much because I don't want to give identities away. But uh, she said, oh, how, how do you know him? And I said, well, do you know him? And she said, well, how do you know him first? So I said, well, I'm a radio amateur. You know, I do this radio stuff. And she said, that's my dad. <laughs> 
So I said, oh, what are you? What a small world. It really was a small world. Fantastic. And I said, oh, I've been to your house two or three times. I've never seen you. She said, no, I'm either upstairs or out. And she said, you know, my dad's, as you know, all my dad's radio stuff is in the, they had like a big brick building in the garden. It was a private estate and they had a lot of money. And I mean, her parents, and I mean a lot of money. They were, they were rich. But her dad was a great bloke. We all got on, we met on the radio and I've been there two or three times in his uh, lovely purpose-built, this brick building down the garden. It was fantastic. So we're driving back into town and you know, we're chatting away about it. And she said to me, the reason I didn't give my address is I don't want anyone to know that my parents are wealthy. I've had a couple of boyfriends in the past. As soon as they get a whiff of money, then they're suddenly in love with me and they want to marry me. <laughs> so yeah, I laughed at that. And she said, no, seriously. She said, my dad's, my mum and dad have always said that when I get married, the wedding present is going to be a house. Now, she lived at home with her parents, but she also had a house down the road from her parents, which was actually her dad's, but that was going to be the wedding present the day she got married, if she ever got married. So she alternated between the two houses. She'd stay at home sometimes or stay down the road in what was one day going to be her house. So as I say, there was a lot of money around. And she did ask me not to mention this to anyone, any of our friends or her boyfriend or anything, which was fair enough. I didn't ever mention it to anyone. Now, her boyfriend, bless him, my friend, he, I don't know, he had no ambition, no drive. He was boring. As I said, he couldn't drive a car. He didn't have a license, didn't want to, couldn't be bothered. He worked in a, what was it, a, a curtain-type shop? Was it a draper or something? A drapier? I don't know what they're called. He only worked there because it was down the road from where he lived with his parents. It was convenient. He had no ambition at all. And eventually they split up, which I, I don't know why she went out with him in the first place, to be honest, because uh, he was a pretty boring sort of chap. <laughs> the next time I was round seeing her dad, uh, Melanie was there and we got chatting and we went out for a drink and we started seeing each other. And her dad, whenever I went there to pick her up or went round there, uh, they invited me round for a meal, things like that, which was nice, her mum and dad. He was always calling me his future son-in-law. And he'd say, have you asked her yet? Have you asked her about marriage yet? No, I haven't. And I mean, I had no intention of getting married. And he said to me once, he said, do you know what I like about you? And I said, oh, go on. <laughs> I thought he was going to start joking. He said, you've got no interest in money, in Melanie's money in particular. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not bothered about money. I know some people are, aren't they? Some people are, well, they live for money. Their world revolves around money, doesn't it? And I've never been like that. As long as I've got enough, you know, I can't be bothered with it all. As long as I've got enough money, we can pay the bills. We can go on our holidays to the Isle of Wight. Yeah, I love that. Then that's fine. You know, if the car goes wrong, we can repair it. If the washing machine blows up, we can buy a new one. But I've never been one to... Um, I don't know, not hoard money, but crave money, like some people. I do know people, I know several people, that uh, over the years they crave money, they live for money. Now, another girl I knew was the opposite. Uh, her dad had left when she was very young. She lived with her mum. I think she was one of five children, and they had no money at all. No money at all. Her mum to work, she did two or three jobs to try and pay everything. She really was, what is it, disadvantaged, I think they say these days. 
but she was a lovely girl. She dressed, not obviously in expensive clothes, but she was always dressed nicely. And unfortunately, she, uh, I won't won't use the word common because that's derogatory. She, she said to me once, you don't half talk posh. She was very, I don't know, I don't want to be rude, Um, but she was a lovely girl. She'd had a difficult upbringing, difficult childhood, education where she'd been to school, but her education wasn't, uh, it left a lot to be desired, I suppose. But she was a lovely person. She was great fun. We used to go and buy fish and chips and sit on the beach in the evening eating fish and chips. And she was a good laugh. She was great fun. I remember a friend of mine saying to me, he was into money. He said, what's she got to offer? Not in front of her, he just said that to me. We were on our own. I said, what do you mean, what has she got to offer? He said, well, you know, she's obviously not been educated. She can't speak properly. He was, I don't know what he was. I say a friend, more of an acquaintance. He said, you know, what's she got to offer? What job does she do? And I didn't answer that. I just said, I'll tell you what she's got to offer. She's a lovely person. Oh, well, you you wouldn't think so to speak to it. Oh, I don't know, he was just awful. He ended up marrying some posh girl. Oh, don't you know, actually, and all this stuff. Their marriage only lasted three years. They got divorced. They hated each other. (laughs) Happy days. Email me. Have Have you got any stories about uh, money or lack of, email me, raiserants at protonmail.com. The sun's coming out now. Look at that. It's very windy. Wind's coming from the east. The old Union flag's flying away out there. The rope broke. Did I tell you? The the rope that you haul the thing up with broke. Cheap stuff. So I've ordered some more. That looks cheap as well. So I, I don't know what to do. We used to have a yacht. Is it a Chandler's shop? I think it's a Chandler's shop where they sold all bits and pieces for sailing and things, they would have had proper rope, proper, you know, nylon, decent stuff. I think this stuff I've been buying online is um, a waste of money, to be honest. Oh, I must just tell you before I forget, uh, did I mention it on Wednesday? I got the engine going. I did. I got my Lister D stationary engine up and running. I got it all ready. I got oil in it. I put petrol in it, turned the fuel tap on. And I'm thinking, right, will it start? And I cranked the handle two or three times and off it went. Hang on a second. There we are. Won't bore you too much with that, but the engine's running. That'll please the neighbours, won't it? (laughs) I love the sound of it and the smell, the petrol, the oil, the exhaust fumes. It stinks. It's lovely. (laughs) Tresha hates the smell. She said it filled the house with exhaust fumes. It didn't at all. It's outside in the garden. It didn't fill the house at all. Okay, it did stink a bit indoors. (laughs) But that's what it's all about, isn't it? My father-in-law, bless him, he used to say, if I've got a penny more than I need, then I'm happy. And that's quite good, isn't it? Because if you've got a penny left over after you've paid everything, that includes obviously going out for a beer, going out for a meal. You've got a penny left, a penny more than you need, then that's fine. And that's the way I've always looked at it. What Trish and I do, we pool our money. I know some people have separate sort of bank accounts that's yours that's mine with us we just pull the whole lot it's our money doesn't matter who's earned it and if I were to spend 30 quid on a part for my engine I'll just do it I order it online now my radio the recently uh, bought radio was it 1200 pounds I didn't just go and buy that online I did say to Trish you know this radio I want uh, all my friends have got one 
everyone's got one except me. Do you remember saying that uh, uh, to your mum and dad when you were at school? I remember our kids, everyone's got a telly in their bedroom. Everyone at school has got TV in their bedroom. Really? Okay, eventually, okay, we got a TV, put it in, I forget which one it was, but we put it in her bedroom. Any of her friends that came round, oh, wow, you've got television in your bedroom. Oh, wow, I haven't. No one else had. (laughs) Oh, dear. Everyone except me has got a radio like this. It's £1,200. Actually, (laughs) most, well, not most, a few of my friends have got these radios. So I discussed it with Trish and she said, yeah, well, you know, if it's what you want, get it. We worked it out. You know, we discussed it. I didn't ask her for the money. I didn't tell her I was buying it anyway or just go and buy it. We discussed it, which is why I think with us, money works out. You know, we we don't go doing our own thing. It's a, a pool. It's all in one place. Doesn't matter who's earned what. It's our money, which is good. It works. I remember her dad saying that uh, what he used to do in the old days of the wage packets, he'd get in from work on a Friday, put his unopened wage packet on the table and her mum would take it. That's it, because she dealt with the money. Now, this is another thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't deal with the money at all. I don't pay any of the bills. I don't do any of it. I don't have phone calls to banks or anything. Trish deals with all that. My chair's creaking now. Trish deals with all that. Why? Because in her job, when she worked, she dealt with finance. She dealt with finance, debt, all that sort of stuff. And she's good with money. I'm not saying I'm bad with money. She's good at it. She knows how to do it and she likes it. She enjoys sorting out all the cash and the bills and stuff. Well, it's enjoys. Hang on. News flash. Here we go. Oh, look at this. A holiday getaway chaos as families face hours in Dover queues. Oh, I don't know. More problems. I think Heathrow Airport's just about closed, isn't it? Gatwick Airport. There are massive queues. Do you know, even the Isle of Wight, our ferry coming back, our ferry was 20 minutes late. And the captain said he came across on the tannoy thing. He said it's because they're so busy. They just can't cope with the amount of people. I suppose people are thinking, right, where shall I go? Heathrow, Dover, Gatwick or Portsmouth and nip over to the Isle of Wight. Yeah, that'll do, the Isle of Wight. (laughs) Anyway, what was I saying? I forget now. Oh, that's right, about paying the bills. I'm quite happy for Trish to deal with all that. I don't want to pay the bills. I don't want to have to work all that out. She does it perfectly. Why should it bother me? As I said earlier, it does bother some mainly men, isn't it? They think they're the breadwinner. They should earn the money. They should pay the bills. But there we are. I don't care. If the money comes in and the bills are paid <laughs> and I got my 1200 quid radio, that's good enough for me. There's a, an old saying that money begats money. And that is true. If, you, if you've got money, you can invest it. If you've got lots of money, you can buy a couple of houses and rent them out. Then you've got that income. And you still own the houses. You know, the houses are going up in value. You've got the rent coming in. The more money you've got, the more money you can make. That's what they mean by, you know, money begats money. If you haven't got any money to start with, it's difficult. You're bringing in your wage, your, your salary, and you're paying your way just about. There's nothing left over. You can't save. You can't invest. And there are a lot of people like that. You know, I do understand that. It's It's difficult if you've not got any money how do you get some how do you start saving i know several people that want to get on the so-called property ladder i think i mentioned this a few weeks ago and they can't they can't save the deposit the rent they're paying is is horrendous 
They can't save. They're just only just surviving, keeping their heads above water. So it is difficult and there doesn't seem to be an answer. If you want to get onto the property ladder, you need a huge deposit. How do you do it? You can't. Getting a bit of a croaky throat must be time for coffee. I do know a chap. He he won 50,000 and he already had a house and everything, but he won this 50,000. And he said to me, oh, at last I can change the car, get a new car, have a decent holiday, him and his wife. They did a little bit to the house. They'd had various things done, new kitchen. And, you know, that 50,000 didn't last five minutes. He said to me, it, it lasted, you know, by the time they'd done this and done that, about six months, they're back to where they were. Yes, they had another car. They'd had a nice holiday. They'd had the kitchen done, the bathroom. But that was it. 50,000 had gone. So it's it's not a lot of money. On the one hand, 50,000 is a lot of money. If you want to get on the property ladder and someone says, right, there's 50 grand, that's your deposit. Brilliant, you're off. It's a brilliant start. If you're just changing your car, have a holiday somewhere, have your kitchen, your bathroom done, one or two other bits and pieces, 50 grand just disappears. What was that? Oh, that's your 50 grand, mate. That's gone. <laughs> that didn't last five minutes. Hello, we've got Morse code now. It's all happening here today. I'll tell you what, weather report, clouds. We're supposed to have rain at midday, so we're a little way off that yet. Uh, where are we? Just coming up to nine, I think. Yeah, we've got clouds coming over and we should have rain, possibly more thunder and lightning. So uh, we've got the washing out there. This is why I'm keeping an eye on the weather because uh, I'm in charge. <laughs> That's a mistake for a start. You know the old saying, money is the root of all evil. I once heard someone say, the lack of money is the root of all evil. I've got my coffee, by the way. The lack of money is lack of money that causes people to, I don't know, go out thieving or whatever they do. And then uh, what else is there? Money can't buy happiness. Can't buy me love. Was it money can't buy me love? It can't, you know, money doesn't do everything. You can live, <laughs> what is it people say? If you've got, if you're rich... You can live miserably in comfort. <laughs> Whereas if you're poor, you live miserably uncomfortably or something like that. I don't know. I don't know all these different things. But um, yeah, the lack of money is the root of all evil, which I think is pretty good. I remember a friend of mine, this is back in the 60s, make love, not war and all that. This friend of mine, he said he was a communist. <laughs> I said, oh, OK, whatever. And he said, no, 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 think about it. We're all equal, whether you a road sweeper or a top surgeon at a private hospital on thousands of pounds a week. We all get the same money, no matter what job you do. Yeah, the idea you know, is good, isn't it? No one's poverty-stricken, no one's stinking rich, we're all OK. But the, the trouble is that doesn't sort of work, does it? And we had quite a discussion at the time. I mean, we were only about 18, 19 years old. But we had this discussion about it, and I did see his point. Uh, but it, it doesn't kind of work. I would never look down upon someone if they're a road sweeper. Someone's got to do that job. It's not a nice job and it's not a very well paid job, but someone has to do it. And I wouldn't look upon them as any less uh, a member of society or community or whatever as anyone else. If they're doing a job that has to be done, fair play to them. That's great. Someone's doing it. It's good. On the other hand, a, a top surgeon at a, I don't know, a private clinic on thousands of pounds a week. I suppose he has studied, he's 
probably more intelligent academically and that than I am. Well, he would be, wouldn't he? <laughs> Imagine me operating on people. No, don't. I don't think I'd be very good at that. <laughs> Dear. Right, I've just, oh, sorry, I've amputated the wrong leg. <laughs> I don't know my left from my right. No, seriously. No, I mean, to be a, a surgeon, a top surgeon, you, you've obviously got to train years of medical school and whatever they do. So each to their own. But uh, there were always, there was it used to say to me, old, old uncle of mine, I think, there will always be someone better off than you and someone worse off than you. And that's very true, isn't it? That reminds me, I remember a chap in the pub, he used to say, why are things very true? Something is either true or isn't. You can't have very true. It's like someone saying, well, I'm a little bit pregnant. Well, you're either pregnant or you're not. <laughs> oh, dear. I've just phoned the doctor about my knee. Well, not the doctor. What you have to do these days, I've phoned, uh, was it some, I don't know, some receptionist person who then puts you through to some triage thing and what's going to happen now is before lunch a doctor will phone me now I know people have moaned about that mind you doctors are on good money aren't they or are they I don't know some people say they only work three days a week they're on 100 grand a year well <laughs> I suppose that is good money isn't it the doctors say well hang on a minute you know we work our Socks off, that's the word I was looking for, socks. Anyway, this doctor's going to phone me back because I twisted my knee about eight weeks ago getting mother-in-law's shopping out of the back of my car, so it's her fault, and my knee clicked and it's not been right since. I've not been able to sleep at night. Oh, and I don't go running to the doctor every five minutes with every minor ailment like some people do. I think we need doctors like Doc Martin. You seen Doc Martin? Anyone in the waiting room without a proper medical condition, get out. <laughs> and half the people, well no, three quarters of the people in the waiting room left. A <laughs> proper medical condition, something like that. Now I don't go running to the doctor because they're busy. I'm busy. And I do like this phone bit. I did the um, e-consult. So you fill in stuff online. The answer to that was phone. So I phoned. Mind you had to wait. You are 14 in the queue. You are number 12 in the queue, on and on. And the music, oh, why do they play this awful row of a... Well, it's not music, it's just an awful row. Then eventually I got this chap, told him all about it. Then someone else told them all about it. Now I'm waiting for a phone call from the doctor. Oh, just had a, a paramedic phone me and I told him all about it. I've got to go around there at, uh, what did he say, half past three and I'm going to see a paramedic, another paramedic, not a doctor, so that's fine. I only want someone to look at it to say, oh, yeah, you know, you've got to have your leg off or what are you moaning about? It'll get better itself. That'd be fine. I just want someone in the know to have a look. So that's exciting. Off around the doctors this afternoon. I haven't been there for good grief. When did I last go there? I can't remember. They'll be pleased to see me. All the female nurses, you know, the staff, around, the female doctors, they all love seeing me <laughs> in my dreams. Happy days talking of the doctors a friend of mine I haven't seen him for years chap I got on quite well with in the old days he moved away he was hypochondriac every time I saw him every time I spoke to him on the phone oh this hurts that hurts. oh god oh dear my back's awful oh my leg oh my ankle my foot every time and I did say to him once I said you know all your complaints you have all these physical problems and ailments I reckon you're hypochondriac and he said Oh, don't you start. That's what my doctor told me. <laughs> so I was right. But it was boring in the end. Honestly, every time I, I spoke to him, 
I heard about these problems, these physical ailments, and it just went on and on and on every time. That must be awful to be like that, mustn't it? Must be awful. A bit like jealousy. I mentioned that a week or two ago, didn't I? Someone that's jealous. What a, an awful uh, affliction, because I think that's what it is. If you're sort of permanently jealous of people that have got something that you haven't, or they've got something you can't afford it, and all this nonsense, stone the crows. Right. Update on my knee. Who's interested in my knee? No one, I hear you say. We're not interested. I've just got back from the doctor. I saw, I didn't see a doctor, I saw a paramedic, excellent young man, felt my knee, looked at my knee, poked my knee, prodded my knee, did everything. He's given me some extra strong painkillers. He said, I'll give you, what was it, cocodamol? And I said, well, I could go and buy that because I don't have prescriptions if it's something I can just go and buy. No, 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 this is a stronger uh, pain, a type of cocodamol or whatever it is. I said, okay, that's good. And then what is it? A Epsimol, something to protect my stomach because I'm taking the painkillers. And then something else, uh, a laxative. We won't go into that because the painkillers cause a problem. I've got four lots. I came back from the, the pharmacy with a big bag full of stuff, drugs. <laughs> anyway, he's booked me or he's booking me an appointment to have my knee x-rayed. So that's good. Now, we, as I've said before, are very, very lucky at our local doctor. The whole process from filling in an online thing, saying my knee hurts, to seeing this chap was four hours, just under four hours, the very same day, not waiting for weeks. And I do know that we're lucky at our doctor because um, others locally, people I know that go to other doctors locally, they have all sorts of problems. They have to wait weeks. They can't get an appointment. There are dreadful things going on. So I think it's just that we are very lucky or they are unlucky. I don't know whichever way around. If you're trying to get over to France from Dover, apparently there are massive queues. Just been hearing something on the news about it. Huge queues to get onto the ferry, is it? Or the, not, no, not the tunnel. It's the ferry, isn't it, that goes from Dover. I think the tunnel you go uh, from Folkestone. And we were just saying, Trish and I were just talking about it. This is why we go to the Isle of Wight. I know it's not the same. People want to go to France, don't they? They like the cheese. They like the wine. They, they like all the, the food there. They like Paris. It's a lovely place. I've never been to Paris, but from what I hear, it's a lovely place. I have been over the Channel to France several times. And I have driven around a little bit of France. They're only on the, the northern part. But uh, it's a lovely country. But it seems now that it's really, I don't know, it's a hellish job to get there. So we're going to stick to the <laughs> we're going to stick to the Isle of Wight. We've just had we were going on the Flying Scotsman uh, next month, August, and it's been cancelled. Unfortunately, well postponed uh, a year. They put it on a year because apparently there's something wrong with the train, the engine. I don't know what, but we've just had an email, and that was going to be rather nice. There's uh, several of us going from the, the family mother-in-law's birthday that's what it was all about next month and it's been cancelled so that's a great shame we were looking forward to that you can either get your money back or go this time next year so we're going this time next year a year soon goes doesn't it i think we're going to is it leonardsley Gardens, somewhere near horsham which is rather nice just looking that up on uh, online you can have a posh tea there afternoon tea 50 pounds each 
So hang on a minute, hang on, we'll take our own sarnies and a flask. No, you can't take your own food. Apparently there are other cafe-type places there. I'm not spending 50 quid on a, some sort of cream tea. Apparently it's Michelin, whatever. It's really good. I don't like posh food. I just want a cup of tea and a sarni. <laughs> Preferably a homemade sandwich. Just going back to the doctor, in the old days, do you remember Disprin? Disprin, it was dissolvable uh, aspirin, uh, hence Disprin. Quite a good name, actually. I remember whenever, as a child, whenever my mum took me to the doctor, give him Disprin in bed for 24 hours, that's it. Bed, Disprin, <laughs> that was the answer to everything. And as far as I remember, it worked. Mind you, it didn't work when, when I feigned illness. I remember doing that. You know I hated school. I've told you that many times. I used to look at the clock and think, right, eight o'clock. And mum was saying, come on, get up, get ready for school. Breakfast is nearly ready. And I'd stay in bed. And I'd be going, oh, oh, my tummy hurts. My tummy hurts. No, it doesn't. Come on, get up. And I wouldn't get up. And I had to feign this illness. And I very often I got away with it. Quarter to nine, right, it's a bit late to go to school now. Dad had gone off to work. Everyone else had gone to school. It's just mum left. Oh, I don't feel good. As soon as my clock, my bedside clock said nine o'clock. Excellent, I've done it. Too late to go now. So, <laughs> so I get up and I'd be miraculously recovered. But uh, my mum actually, she did uh, sometimes. She was she was wise to what I was up to. But uh, she used to give me disprint. Right, you better have disprint. And I remember she said one day I'd feigned this illness. It was a lovely summer day, and I thought, oh, this is great. Go out of the garden, you know, have some fun out there. She said, right, you better stay in bed. And she gave me Disprin. It was this, as I say, soluble aspirin, dissolvable or whatever. And I had to drink this glass of Disprin. It was horrible. And I just stay in bed. She wouldn't let me get up. And there was nothing wrong with me. I had to stay in bed. I think most of the morning I got up lunchtime. And it was awful. And she did say at the end of the day, well, there you are. You want to stay off when you're not ill, you stay in bed. So, of course, after that, I thought it's not really worth feigning illness, is it, if I've got to stay in bed all day? <laughs> Sister-in-law and uh, brother-in-law just popped round for lunch. Been having a chat with them. And uh, it's Saturday now, by the way. Lovely weather. Really nice. And just talking to my brother-in-law about the podcast. And he said, what's this one about? And I said, money. And he said, we're talking to money. What about the price of petrol? It's now £2 a litre here. Most garages are sort of 199.9 or something like that. It's basically £2 a litre. Now, I know in America you work in imperial gallons and things, but work that out, how many litres in a gallon, and then transfer, you know, change it to um, US dollars, and you'll be shocked, absolutely shocked. <laughs> you'll be stoning the crows all over the place. It's incredible. And we were talking about transport, and basically there are, too many cars on the roads and that's because there are too many people and he was saying that the people living next door to him four cars mum dad son daughter four car family and he knows one down the road from him somewhere six cars not sure why they've got six but a six car family it used to be in the 60s what's that something's dinging probably some more news in the 60s most people didn't have a car so let alone a one car family, the average was probably, I don't know, 0 0.2 car. <laughs> Can you have 0 0.2 of a car? Let's say a quarter of a car, shall we? 0 0.25. 
So most people, on average, had quarter of a car. <laughs> That's just the front bit. You didn't get the back bit with the wheels on the back. But no, seriously, then every family had a car. Then they were two car families. And now four, five, six cars is not unusual per ha house or, or family. So, of course, we've got too many cars on the road, too many people. And what we were saying was, what's going to happen in the future? Now, by the future, what we mean is perhaps 50 or 100 years. And we reckon, I wonder whether you agree, there won't be any cars, petrol, diesel, electric or otherwise. There won't be any cars. There can't be, can there? 100 years from now, imagine the population, especially in countries like, well, like Britain, you know, you can't keep squeezing more people in, making more roads, widening the roads that we've already got, building more houses. You know, it'll just be a, a concrete jungle. And we reckon there won't be cars. There'll be, what will there be? Some sort of drone thing. Public transport will be drones, I don't know. Or something that perhaps if we kept the roads in 100 years' time, well, I don't, we were saying there probably won't even be houses. You'll live in, <laughs> you'll live in blocks, in units. I don't know. Now, that's probably 200 years' time. But no, quite a fascinating chat, especially about money. And then we were talking about pollution, you know, climate change. I mean, everyone's all about this these days. And I said, why do we have to have strawberries at Christmas? It's nice having strawberries at Christmas, yes, but is it necessary? Do we have to buy strawberries from, I don't know, Egypt, Morocco? Do we have to have strawberries? grown there, brought over here by ship, huge diesel engines on the ships, pumping out fumes and pollution all around the ocean, aeroplanes with their jet engines pumping out stuff, to do what, you know, to bring strawberries here, that in the old days we, we didn't have strawberries in the winter, everything was seasonal. You'd look forward to, all oh, this summer, uh, you know, English, as they were, English strawberries, English tomatoes, they were nice. Now you, you get tomatoes from all around the place. I don't know where they come from. <laughs> they, come, they come from all over the world by ship and by air and stuff. Do we really need that? I was wondering when we were chatting, I was wondering whether, you know, they say what goes round comes round. I was wondering whether we'll go back to the days of more farming in Britain and, and other countries, your country as well, wherever you are, more farming growing our own stuff, more seasonal things. For example, if you want more strawberries, then you'll have to wait till the summer. You know, you can't have them in the winter. It's hard luck. <laughs> things like kiwi fruit, stuff that comes all around the world. Do we really need that? I don't know. Interesting. I suppose the youngsters would say, well, we've always had strawberries in the winter. What are you talking about? Don't just want them for a few weeks in the summer. That's not good enough. I don't know. I'm just talking about, well, as, as this whole episode has been about really money, isn't it? The cost of things. Why is everything so expensive? I don't know. Why is everything so expensive? It didn't used to be. My, I won't bore you about my engine, but uh, the engine I've just restored, it will run on paraffin. Now, the reason they made it run on paraffin or petrol is because in 1938, when it was built, paraffin was a lot cheaper than petrol. It was a lot cheaper. So what you do, you start the engine on petrol, then switch the tap over to paraffin. Now, paraffin is dearer than petrol. Can you believe that? Check this out. What do you call it in America? Kerosene. Kerosene here, 
The cheapest I've found was three pound, no, sorry, I lied, two pound 35 a litre. Two pound 35 a litre for paraffin, kerosene. It's dearer than petrol. Stone the crows. I don't, th- I don't suppose there are any crows left, are they? I've stoned them all. But I mean, William, what, what is going on? I suppose no one uses paraffin anymore. In the 60s, 50s, 40s, people used it for lighting, oil lamps. They used it for heating, or paraffin stove, uh, even cooking. You could, you know, have paraffin sort of stove thing to put your saucepan on. And I suppose there was a demand for it, whereas now very few people buy it. I mean, when did you last buy paraffin or kerosene? When did you last go out and buy it? Well, I don't know whether you can buy it anywhere. I don't know any shops that sell it. You have to buy it online, I think. So anyway, there we are. I won't be running the engine on, <laughs> on paraffin. I can't afford it. I must admit, I was saying to my brother-in-law, I must admit, I don't like talking about the future too much, especially 100 years, 200 years from now. He was saying, what about 500 years from now? There won't be houses, there won't be roads, cars, cars, aeroplanes. What will there be? Something else altogether that we can't even imagine at the moment. Presumably drone-type travel, you're travelling through the air over buildings, whatever they're called, whatever they will be called. Will we have streets with houses in? I don't know. I shouldn't think so. 500 years, good grief. Mind you, as I said to him, on a depressing negative note, by then we'd have probably blown ourselves up anyway and taken the planet with us. I don't know. Well, he then said we'll go to another planet. Once we've wrecked this one, we'll go and wreck another planet. (laughs) Oh, it's not funny. Luckily, we won't be here in 500 years' time. But uh, my mum this morning went and saw, oh, what about the grandchildren? What about the grandchildren and their children? And I said, uh, look, they'll sort it out. They'll deal with whatever mess we've left you know there'll new technology will come along won't it aeroplane engines will be replaced with something non-polluting perhaps the ships at sea won't run huge diesel engines belching out smoke there'll be some other form of power i don't know i won't be here to see it but uh, some of the youngsters might there we are the price of things everything is so expensive isn't it as i said it's now saturday Uh, Where are we? Three o'clock Saturday afternoon. Beautiful sunny day. Next week, the weather's going to get hot again. Uh, I think starting from Sunday, tomorrow, that's when you'll be listening to this. That's if you listen to this on the the day I actually put it out. So yes, Sunday's getting a bit warmer. And then during the week, hotter, hotter, hotter. So we shall see what happens. It's been quite a good summer so far. We started off in, in June. I don't know why. There's something about June. It always rains here in Britain in June. I've noticed every June for the last, I don't know how many years, it rains more or less the whole month. (laughs) I don't know why it does that. There's something strange going on with the weather, as we all know. So what else happened in the good old days financially? People used to save up for things, didn't they? They don't do that now. Use the credit card. I remember saving up for things. I remember... Now, this has nothing to do with it at all, but I was just talking to my brother-in-law again about our town in the old days. There was a scrap metal merchant. We both remember it. It was in Little High Street, Little High Street, which isn't far from me, and we couldn't remember what it's called. I just can't remember the name. And he was saying, oh, I know it. It's on the tip of my tongue. 
I can't remember the name. I used to go in there when I was young, teens. I'd say to the chap there, got a bit of angle iron, mate, you know, I'm making something. And well, I didn't talk like that at all. He'd say, oh, well, I'll find you something. How about that? Will that do? And he'd give me a piece of angle iron. And I remember I was building, I think I must have been about 12 years old. I was building a go-kart thing. And I went in there and I said, I want angle iron for my go-kart. And I remember he, I remember he said, you again. <laughs> I was often round there getting bits of scrap metal. And I said, uh, he said, what sort of length? And I told him. And I said, could you drill some holes in it? Sort of there, there and there and there. And he was a nice old chap. And he said, oh, go on, give it to me. So I gave the metal back to him and he drilled holes in it for me. And uh, yeah, it was really good. And there was another place uh, somewhere. I forget where it was in town. They did welding. And I remember, I remember going in there. Again, I must have been building a, a go-kart. And I went in there and I said, you see these bits of metal? I took my, my sort of bits of scrap metal there. And I said, can you kind of weld that there and there and there and there to make a square? Basically, I was building like a chassis for my go-kart. And he said, uh, he said, well, I, I do. we're a bit busy. I remember that. He always said that whenever I went in his welding place. We're a bit busy. And he said, oh, go on then, give it to me. I couldn't stay and watch it being welded, of course, because it's, you know, you get uh, damage to your eyes. Anyway, he bought this out, these four bits of metal out a bit later and all welded together. All, uh, you know, got rid of the burrs, ground it all down. Fantastic. And I said, what do I owe you? Because I had my pocket money, sort of 10 bob or whatever. And he said, oh, no, go on, get out of here. <laughs> and it was great. You could do things like that then. When I got older, there was another uh, aluminium sort of factory play. I don't know what they did. I think they, they made stuff out of aluminium sheets. They had aluminium rods, all sorts of stuff. And I used to build... Uh, a chassis for like a radio transmitter, a pirate radio transmitter. And I'd go down there and say, have you got any sheet aluminium? And I remember again, the chap said, well, you know damn well we have. We we deal with aluminium. We work with aluminium. Oh, oh I just wonder whether you've got a scrap piece. I, I remember him saying, well, again? <laughs> but they were great fun. They were great people in those days. There was a blacksmith. I didn't go to him for anything. But uh, yeah, there was a blacksmith not far out of town, which is uh, which is good because that's all gone. There was a chromium plated plate where they chromium plated things. Um, make me you know, take a piece of metal in there and they chromium plate it for you. A friend of mine in the sixties had a Hillman Minx, and he used to take bits in there like the air filter. Can you chromium plate that? And I've gone then. Next week he's in there with something else like the rocker cover from the engine. He cleaned it all up. Can you chromium plate that? <laughs> and you know, he used to give them 10 bob, or I don't know what he gave them at the time, but uh, they just charged a minimal, minimal amount. And uh, he'd lift the bonnet on this Hillman Minx. And the engine is all chromium plated bits everywhere. It looked fantastic. But now you're not allowed to do chromium plating anymore. That's illegal. That's all been stopped. You can't have fish and chips in newspaper. That was good. When I was a boy, fish and chips in newspaper, absolute bliss. Can't do that now, it's got to be in some plastic, polystyrene, horrible thing that ends up in the ocean killing whales. There we are, that's progress for you, isn't it? That's amazing. Talking of fish and chips in newspaper, we used to go to the chip shop. We didn't get fish most of the time. There'd be perhaps half a dozen of us, you know, three boys, three girls perhaps, wearing our jeans or shorts or whatever we've got on 
dirty shirt, looking all scruffy because we'd been over the woods. The girls had their sandals, sort of ankle sock things and a frock. They always wore frocks, you know, and they'd be pretty scruffy because they'd been over the woods with us, catching tadpoles and sticklebacks. And on the way home, we'd go to the chip shop, <laughs> Tanner's worth of chips uh, in some old newspaper. And we'd all sit on the curb on the pavement outside by the road, all sit on the curb, all six of us eating our chips. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And if we could, between us, we'd buy a bottle of Tizer. So we'd pass the Tizer bottle round and all swig from that. That was good. What sort of age were we when we did that? 10, 11, 12, I suppose, something like that. That was great. <laughs> I really do miss those days. I do go on, don't I, about the old days. I can't help it. I look at the kids now of that age and I think, yeah, what are you doing? You know, the girls of 12 look like they're about 16. I don't know. Can you imagine a girl of 12 these days pushing a pram round with a doll in it? <laughs> a pram with a doll. Stone me. No, that's another one, isn't it? Stone me. Don't know what that means. But there were the girls of my age, uh, when I, you know, 12, when I was sort of 10, 11, 12, the girls of that age, they had prams, a little toy pram with a doll and a blanket and stuff like that in their little pram. I don't know. And they looked kind of 12. As I say, these days, they look about 16. I'd, I don't understand. I don't think that's good. I think it was nice when they could enjoy their childhood for as long as possible. You know, not start dressing up and looking like they're 16 at the age of 12. I, I think that's a shame. But there we are. Nothing I can do about it. Apart from reminisce and think back to the good old days. I'm going to clear off now. <clears throat> Voice is getting a bit croaky again. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with me. As I've said before, I hope you enjoy listening to the episodes as much as I enjoy recording them. It's great fun. It gives me a chance to talk about the good old days. I keep telling Trish about the good old days. I think she's got fed up with it. <laughs> You've told me that before. Yes, you told me that several times. Funnily enough, only this morning I said uh, about going down steep hill near us, Selvington Hill, on my bicycle, 40 miles an hour, coming down that hill. Main road at the bottom, 40 miles an hour, friend of mine and myself. I mean, if we'd fallen off at that speed, no crash helmet, nothing like that, just in our old jeans and T-shirt, yeah, we could have, well, we could have done ourselves a serious injury. And she said, oh, you've told me about that many, many times over the years. Oh, well, I'm just reminiscing. I'm telling you again. I've told you before, haven't I? I'm sure I have. You take care. Look after yourselves. Don't get too hot, as I did the other day. I felt dreadful. I really did feel awful. I got heat stroke. So take care. I shall see you on Wednesday for the midweek message and then following Sunday for another hour long. Well, no, what's this one? Just over 50 minutes. I, I worry about boring you, you know. You might be thinking, oh, when's this going to end? Is it ever going to end? All you've got to do is switch it off. OK, that's it. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Look after yourselves. See you Wednesday. Bye bye for now.